How do we find a way forward after life-changing events we've all experienced in some form? Perhaps that is what Isaiah is trying to answer when he speaks to the Israelites sharing God's promise of renewal. Listen for how these ancient words may speak to our community in this moment. A reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sounds of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. My chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy all on my holy mountain, says the Lord. Isn't it great? Summer is looking so much more like a real summer than this time last year. I can't wait to get the kids to the pool, head out to eat without planning, and anticipating all the logistics. Don't you feel liberated? A mom with young kids excitedly shared. Her friend more tentatively says, Honestly, I am more hesitant with all this returning. I am not yearning to step back into the intensity of busyness, the social pressures, all the competing events. So much of what we put on hold from last year seems kind of unnecessary. I crave the chance to really think about what to add back into life, but I feel I am being swept into what was so quickly. I'm sure we can relate to both sides of this conversation. Maybe you lean more towards the joyful reopening, or perhaps all this movement forward has brought a new type of anxiety. Wrestling with what was these past months have taught us, have shown us. As much as the almost post-pandemic world seems to be life-giving, it also looms as a challenge as our piece of the world reopens, as we re-enter offices and board meetings, summer camps, vacations, and so much more, how will we find our way in it? We have an opportunity to do more than go back to the way things were, a chance, even a responsibility, to do better. How will we rise to it? The reading from the book of Isaiah this morning needs a bit of context. The portions preceding chapter 65 tell a story of human destruction when the sky was thick with darkness over the ancient Israelites. It falls near the end of the book of Isaiah. The long exile in Babylon has finally ended and the people have returned to their land. However, they have returned to ravaged communities, vacated houses, overgrown vines clinging to the walls, and collapsed roofs, their homes their infrastructure, and their faith community in tatters. 
everything must be rebuilt. A generation or so later, they had not made much progress in the monumental task of rebuilding the city and the temple they loved so much. They became distanced from God and perhaps from one another. It seems clear they had lost sight of God's vision for them as a people of faith. They were certainly discouraged and perhaps they were even afraid. Fear in this case was gripping to the point of paralyzing. Then, in our passage for today, God sends a prophet whom we call Isaiah. He was to help the Israelites in the midst of their hopelessness and fear, revealing God's vision, God's imagination, God's will for them. The prophet sees on behalf of the community. It is a spiritual scene. Isaiah takes note of things on behalf of humanity. To a people beaten down by years of oppression and facing bleak prospects for a better day, God speaks a fresh and startling word. In Isaiah's description of renewal and rebuilding of their beloved city, he reminds the Israelites who God is, creator God. Isaiah carefully paints a visual picture of the promised transformation, which will restore the city and bring into its city center other nations to witness God's creation, a new heaven and a new earth. What do you hear in these words in this moment for your life? Our collective daily living is scarred by a pandemic, increasing mass shootings, an epidemic of drug addiction, deepening poverty, systemic racism, escalating environmental disasters, brokenness abounds. As we stand in the fractured reality of our world, Isaiah gathers us in to lift our eyes and our hearts to contemplate the capacities of God. Within these ideas woven into a text of God's vision, I hear grace and reconciliation, renewal and transformation. Honestly, it sounds amazing, yet are we ready and willing? It may feel tempting to sit on the sidelines and wait for God to engage in the great rebuilding of the world, but the prophet makes clear that the mending of the world is not simply a divine construction. In Isaiah's vision, the people and God will strive together. Honored theologian William Sloan Coffin said, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. A friend of mine shared that she has used this past year as an opportunity for reflection and evaluation. She quickly admits that this was a privilege as she is in a stage of her life where she does not have to earn income or go outside the home as much as she used to. She spent time with The Interior Castle, a book by Teresa of Avila's The 16th Century Mystic, a text that explores the pathways of the human journey toward God. Perhaps it seems counterintuitive to read an account of an inward journey as a way to think about journey back into the world, but Teresa always seems to be looking in both directions at once. The whole point of the journey inward, she writes, is to make ourselves fit for service to our neighbor. The whole point is to love more. One of the temptations of the journey towards God, she says, is the temptation to feel satisfied with where we are. Yet she, 
like the prophet, calls us to be dissatisfied. Really? Dissatisfied? Is that what I need to focus on in this moment? Perhaps after so many months of uncertainty and upheaval, pain and suffering, isolation, we simply crave to be satisfied. We're making it through. Don't we deserve the getting back to normal? We are invited to sit with Teresa of Avila's call from the 1500s, many plagues and pandemics ago. There's so much more to explore on the path to God, she writes. We can love more. We can act with more justice and truth. We have the capacity for so much more transformation. As people of faith, we are called to continually discern what God's vision is, worship, Worship in community helps us distinguish God's voice from the other voices vying for a hearing. God whispers in the depths of our souls, urging us to take the path that leads to the common good. Answering takes courage, and we find that courage and conviction with one another gathered in. God's vision of a new earth cannot be seen, imagined, or realized by us individually. It is viewed through a communal lens. It is embodied through a communal act that must be lived outwardly. These months in this pandemic have made it impossible not to know what needs have to be addressed. The injustices and inequities fracturing our world have been laid bare for all to see. Will we continue to look? To see? A college professor laments at the deep wonderings from a student who shared a moving and painful presentation on the structural inequalities vividly revealed by COVID. The young presenter ended asking, will we still care when the pandemic is over? Will we stay dissatisfied enough to keep looking for new ways of living that cherish all life? Isaiah asks, will we co-create a new heaven and new earth? Yet, how can the factory worker who has been idle for months see a new earth? How should the family being evicted find a new earth? How does the dad, hearing the news of his daughter's suicide, even care about a new earth? How is it possible for the educators had to pivot weekly and still aches wondering if it was enough for the sake of her students' education begin to glimpse this new earth? How will the black mother imagine the new earth as she fears for the safety of her son? How do we, who may have felt minimal deprivation in these months, realize the need for a new earth? Holy dissatisfaction. We must continue to notice. God invites us to use our dissatisfaction to spur us to be co-creators. God offers the chance to recognize the divine in one another, inviting me out of myself long enough to engage someone whose fears, wants, loves, and needs are at least as important as my own. The spiritual challenge is to become aware of God's presence with such vulnerability and humility and yearning that God's love transforms who we are. Did you experience holy dissatisfaction in these months? During the bitter cold of winter, you may recall Barda Hall was open for overnight shelter for people who are unhoused. I felt drawn to volunteer as a way of exploring how our church might be able to assist. 
I arrived at my time slot and found Mindy, a volunteer who had become a coordinator of sorts. She asked where I would be willing to go and help, explaining that working with the guests seemed to be of interest to many, but there were lots of other spots that needed hands to help. I was willing to go where needed, so she assigned me to the sorting room to go through piles of donations, pulling out warm coats and boots and heavy hoodies, things to help people in these deeply cold temperatures. Want to see the rest of the setup before you get to work, she offered. We took the escalator to the top floor to one of the wide open exhibition spaces of the convention center. What has hosted car shows, home and garden events, even large regional science fairs was now covered in rows and rows and rows of cots socially distanced, most piled with sleeping gear, and perhaps someone's small stack of personal belongings. These hundreds of beds represented such a small visual of the growing population of unhoused women, men, and children in our community. How can this be? How can a community, a country, a global society that has more than enough go along day by day allowing this? And this question could be applied to healthcare, education, poverty, the environment, on and on. Holy dissatisfaction. Episcopal Bishop Jake Owensby in his writing, Your Untold Stories, Tales of a Child of God, comments, our response to the world's ache can often seem diluted. We seek to manage the world as we find it. We strain to retain the snippet of privilege of the bit of status or the meager scraps of wealth we've managed to grab. To do something deeper, to get to the root of things, we need to lose what we already have. And so we resist, giving up the way we've been living, seeking instead to patch the world's fabric where it has most obviously torn. If we want justice that lasts and peace that is more than an interruption in the cycles of violence, we have to admit that life as we have always lived it has become unmanageable. I must be honest, I have a deep desperation in this moment. So much in our community, our city, our world must change for the greater good of all. But with each day, I am falling back into what was. The radical possibility of this moment is like trying to hold water in my hands. I dance on the edge of hope, hope that from this moment in time, a new earth can begin to emerge. As we live in our holy dissatisfaction, we notice the very places and circumstances where we never thought we could choose differently, and they begin to blossom with possibility. Isaiah's visions, wolf and lamb feeding together, lions eating straw, may seem like a fantasy, but this ancient prophet speaks to us today, calling us to know the capacity of God calling us to see our role in a transformed world that emerges when we choose to continue to take note, to see the brokenness and embrace the reality of how we are entwined with it. I believe we are gathered in to have our hearts broken, broken open to holy dissatisfaction, and together we co-create a new earth. In this year of our church's centennial, we are looking back and learning how this place and people came to begin 100 years ago, finding out about some of the original deacons and elders and staff, 
perhaps wrestling with what our origins here at 61st and Ward Parkway set in motion in this city. We are anxious to celebrate, which in this year of being scattered from one another feels even more desired. But I cannot help but wonder, as we mention the next 100, what will people in that time think of us in this moment? Will they think we rested on our laurels but failed to live in holy dissatisfaction? Or will they celebrate the way we sought to be co-creators with God, to imagine and find new ways to lift their brokenhearted, to realize our deep connectedness to community, to acknowledge the ways we have plundered creation? As they look at their world, will they see we answered the call to be prophets of transformation?